house. Welcome. What a day. Come on, look around, people. This is the sanctuary. Are we glad to be here or what? Say hi to somebody near you and thank them for this beautiful sanctuary that we have. And thank you for those who come early to events like this. CJ was here at 7.30. And Tim, uh, Second Timothy, he was here at 8 o'clock. But listen, I've been here all night. So <laughs> let me just make a few announcements before we uh, enter into a time of worship. If you want to go to the bathroom, or if you need to go to the bathroom, Let's go that way rather than this way because we've got cords going in here and we'll send you in that way. You can go downstairs or upstairs. Uh, either way, we'll get you to the bathroom. I think both of you know where the bathroom is. We have an offering box, not an offering plate. It's sitting right there, that wooden box. And we believe in giving. Not that we need your money, but, but uh, God loves generous givers and he gives back more then what we give, give and it shall be given to you, what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, pouring over. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. So today, some of us will be going over to Ann and Joel Volker's house. We got an invitation. I'm telling you that you can come early. Uh, we're going over and going to be there at 1, and Anne's ready for us to eat at 1, and then at 1.30, we're going to have a Bible that we're going to present to Marissa. So if, if uh, you're a part of that, and if there are people that come that uh, uh, would be invited, then we want to make sure. So it looks like a good day next Sunday. I looked at the weather, and it looks like... Thank you, Mr. Tim. They want me to use this thing, huh? <laughs> so uh, if it's a good, good weather, we'll be out here. And my, oh, my, you can't beat this for a sanctuary. So, And we've been Zooming on Wednesday night. My guess is uh, the, the numbers have been going down as we've been gathering personally together. And I don't know that, were there any women were, that were Zooming this morning? There still was one, okay. So uh, on Wednesday it's fewer, so we may not be Zooming now. So uh, let's ask the Lord to uh, be with us and uh, as we begin our service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We invite your presence. We, we thank you that you are here, God. You say we're two or three, and we've got at least two or three. We thank you that you are with us. You're here to bless us, and uh, we say yes to your blessing. We say yes to you, Father, because we need a Father. We say yes to you, Jesus, because we need a Savior. And we say yes to you, Holy Spirit, because we need your power in our life. So come and be among us as your people gather and worship. And we've got Steph and Blake today. <laughs> yes. In three months. Glad yeah. to have you. 
And you can stand if you want to, or you can sit, whichever, whichever is comfortable for you. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior now to wash our feet, now at his feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame, now robed in majesty, the radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see your name your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our king your name your name is victory fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me your name your name is victory all praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. By your spirit I will from the ashes of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name i come alive to declare your victory the resurrected king is resurrecting me by your spirit i will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your spirit I will rise from 
tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our god has robbed the Jesus is going to do, the resurrected one, how is he going to show his power in your life? Speak it out. I am convinced. I am believing and I am sure that discouragement will never overtake me. Provide for me. You can provide for me. I'm convinced. Yes, Lord, we 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 thank you, Lord, that you are giving us endurance for the race that is you've marked out for each one of us. You're the author and finisher of our faith, and there also is a joy set before us, just as there was for you, so that we may um, endure the crosses that you've called us to um, carry, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you proclaim that as our days, so shall our strength be. And that you said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And thank you, Lord. You've given us your Holy Spirit as a seal and a promise of our full inheritance, Lord. And we thank you that today we just taste of you. Thank you that we taste of you and you are so good. And thank you that 
we can glorify you together today, Jesus, and worship in spirit and in truth. And I uh, declare healing for, well, all of us that need healing. I believe you are the healer. And also, uh, we add Anne uh, Boker to, to um, all of us. Uh, she's not here right now, but the bee that stung her eye. Uh, the, the swelling, we, we declare that this, this uh, pain and the swelling will go down in Jesus' name. We pray that our nation may remain one nation under God and that, uh, that you will heal, heal our land during this time and that the United States will remain a strong nation, that uh, we'll turn our hearts to you and remain salt and light in this dark world and, and offer hope to humankind. We pray for our, all of our leaders, from our president to our governor to our assemblies and Congress. Uh, Lord, would you give them epiphanies and revelations? And um, would you show them the right paths? And would you be speaking to people and giving them dreams and visions? Would you rouse a people to, uh, for revival in this land? Eternally and 
darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, we silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones to live, call these lives to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is alive forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus, Jesus, your name, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny, your name cannot be overcome, your name is a light forever lifted high, your name cannot be overcome, again your name. The shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is alive forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome jesus jesus you make the darkness tremble jesus to receive it and so I'm going to ask you if there's an area in your life you don't have to share what it is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and someone next to you is going to put their hand on you and pray for God's peace to be upon you so you don't have to share anything all you do is you lift your hands if you say there's an area you're 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 acknowledging there's an area in your life where you're struggling 
where you need peace, where you need his peace to come to you, just put your hand up, and someone close to you will just put their hand on you, and then we'll have prayer. Look around. If you see a hand go up, then you need to put your hand on somebody. Move around if you need to. I'm going to say a prayer from the front, but I'm going to invite you to also pray. Father, we acknowledge that sometimes peace is elusive, and we want it, we need it, but we're not sure how to apprehend it. There are times it's difficult for us to step into peace. We thank you that you are a good Father, and Jesus, you're a good Savior, and you are actually the Prince of Peace. You rule over peace. And so now, would you let your peace come to our brothers and sisters? Let it come now. We welcome your peace. We invite your peace. And we say to those who need peace, peace be still. Peace be still. Now, your job is just to take it, just to receive it. Just say it in your heart. Say, I receive, I receive it. I receive this peace that's coming to me. I receive it. I take it. At the end of the service, we, we give a benediction. I'm actually going to give it now because it's, it, it imparts peace. And so I'm going to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor. How wonderful is that? Now listen, and give you his peace. It's yours, my sister. It's yours, my brother. Yours to keep. Yours to walk in. Lord, teach us how to walk in your peace. Amen. I'd like to just sing a song over everyone. I believe it's the Holy Spirit wanting to sing over all of you. Holy Spirit, purify our hearts and pour into our lives your joy. Your peace, Koya Maria Maria, for your glory we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you.
never given the benediction in the middle of the service but I give it in the middle of the service and then how did he know how did Blake know that I was gonna give the benediction in the middle of the service right before his song on the benediction no I didn't but God does it and God puts things together because he wants to come with his peace wants to reign in our lives and so he does things out of the ordinary and I want to encourage you to live out of the ordinary one way is to carry something with you I put a box back on the table I don't see it but uh, it was no there's another box I had some of these uh, oh they're over here uh, I'd encourage you to take one of these with you and give it to somebody this week God will help you I often and I don't mean once in a while, I often witness to people while I'm um, pumping gas because I have a moment, I have time. So I did it yesterday because I uh, was close to a guy. So I just asked him what his name is. His name was Michael. I said, do you know what your name means? He said, no, I, I told him it's a powerful name. You have a chance to connect with people that need the peace of God and it might be uh, taking a scripture it might be some other way but if you say God would you use me today would you allow me to connect with people and he'll use you your way your personality the way you do it it'll be different than the way second Timothy does it but it'll it'll be your way and you can do it that way okay so uh, I'm gonna read a scripture Thank you very much. It's good to have you back. It's very good to have you back. Do we have a birthday, you said? Who's got a birthday? Oh, come on. Okay. Johannes. That's a, that's a powerful name. Something about the grace of God. What? Oh, come on. We got two birthdays. Yay. This is fun. Shall I ask people how old they are or don't you do that? 26 and 32. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear John, and may Jesus bless you. Okay, John, way to go. Yes. Now that was that John, because he brought up Masumi, because she was not going to come up, and he, he, he encouraged her. So I want you to do something now. Last week, I...
preached on uh, the, our relation to the government. And we are living in terrible times. It's never been this bad since I've been alive. It's never been close to this. This could erupt in civil war. And so what we talked about last week, we've got to do. We've got to pray. Listen to this. Paul says, first of all, when he says, first of all, I want to listen to what Paul says, don't you? First of all, I urge. Okay, now he's really urging us. He's not saying I suggest. He's not saying you might want to do this. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. We need quiet and peaceable right now. Amen. We really need it. Hey, you guys are matching this morning. Look at that. Strive. Did you plan that or just happened? To... Okay. Okay. So let's pray for a quiet and peaceable life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do it in uh, close to somebody close to you. Pray with him or her for a quiet and peaceable life and that the, the rioting will stop, the rebellion will stop. So we have authority, so take it now in your small group. I'm gonna do it with Karen here. Okay, Karen is taking the kids to Sunday school. So, whatever your age, if you want to go with Karen, I mean, I don't care if you're 60, if you want to go to Sunday school with Karen, you get to go. And Leah can, is coming to help. Let's hear it for Leah, yeah. And Gabriel's inside. He's working on uh, something in there. Yeah. So, this is Paul. 
we met when he was going to Concordia along with my future son-in-law. Right. I didn't know that at the time. Neither did I. Okay, no, you didn't either. And uh, we, we started a group, uh, Drew Shep and Gabriel Anderson started a group in our basement. Uh, it was half this size. No, it wasn't in the, it didn't start in the basement, it started in the living room. Upstairs. It was in, it started up there. Yeah. And then we pushed out of there and then we started uh, uh, an addition that eventuated in this room down here where we eventually met. And we started with 30 and uh, they did everything together, literally. Ga I know, because Gabriel, he would call the shots for the weekend and, and they would be all together and doing things. And then we said, well, instead of doing it every third week, let's do it every two weeks. And we did, and it still came. Then we said, well, let's take a chance. Let's do it every week. And they just kept coming, and more and more and more, into the 100, uh, 150, 160. Uh, so Paul grew remarkably during that time. Thank you. He, uh, he stepped into a new lifestyle, a new way of looking at life, and God was healing him and bringing him to a new place. And uh, that lady back there that's got uh, a wheeling Evangelina, uh, she was coming, and they didn't even know each other, but at uh, some point you set your eyes on her, yeah. and you, uh, you said to me that uh, at one point, you said, ooh, I really like her. Yeah. Still do. And, yeah, still do. <laughs> still do. <laughs> Even more than then. And so he won her heart, and yeah. uh, now they're living together, and they had a wonderful child. And Paul loves the Word of God, and uh, he uh, meditates on it, and he loves to teach it. So he's going to teach the Word of God to us this morning. Thank you, Paul. Come yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Paul. I love you too, Paul. <laughs> All right. Is this? Yeah, there we go. Thanks, CJ. I know you're back there keeping things organized. I'm going to try to avoid the feedback. Yeah, work back here with the worship. All right. Let's try that. Oh, feels good to be here. Um, bless you all. I'm going to keep working. If I need to go to that, I can. Um, yeah, let's do that. That's Let's try that. All right. Way better. I don't want to compete with squealing. <laughs> Amen. Um, so good to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Um, it's like a coming home in a lot of ways every time I come here and see Paul and get to be with you. Um, I'm just going to open a little bit in prayer. It's been a while since I shared, so you have all these competing thoughts. And I just wanted to clear up and um, come out right. So, Father, we just thank you that your presence is here. We just feel it really clearly this morning. And so we ask you that you would come more. It says in your word that in the time of spring rain, ask for rain. So we ask you for more, Lord. We ask you for more of your clearness, more of your grace, 
more of your mercy. We ask you for your nature to come. It says in your word that Jesus declared your name to the people and he will keep declaring it. And your name is just your character. It's who you are. It's the essence of your being. So we ask you that you would come with your nature, come with your clearness and your purity and your love. We ask you that love would reign and abound still more and more. And we thank you for who you are. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, um, I just want to talk about a common parable, um, but I think it's appropriate for this season of life because there's just such a simplification of what we're able to do right now, even in meeting. It's just so, so refined, just down to the brass tacks of just like, can I even shake your hand? Right. And so what I want to talk about tonight is how do we continue or tonight? I'm so used to communitas this morning. How do we um, continue to pursue our destiny in the father and, the, and in Jesus in the simplicity of life? And, you know, not to correct Paul, but in some ways, yes, the times are terrible, but I love this season of life we're in. And what I mean by that is. After like two or three weeks of just being home with Adriana, she was like, it feels like we're married again. And that wasn't like a negative comment, but it was just like, we're spending so much quality time together. We're just able to eat dinners at a regular cadence. And just the structure was so welcomed because there was so much competing noise around our lives and just the back and forth from work getting up at odd times at night, but it was just like, all of a sudden it was just like you could inhale and just be like, whew, like this feels good, this feels right. But as we start to get back into the ways of like going out and doing things, like how do we retain that simplicity and sim just the smallness of it while also like being connected to the body because we need both. So the parable just I want to talk about is Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. And the primary takeaway that I want us to go from today is that we get rewarded for the small things in life. And the reality of the kingdom is it's a kingdom of rewards. Jesus talks about it all the time. And it's not that we're, our condition with Jesus and our relationship is performance-based, but the rewards are. It's really clear in scripture. Our rewards in heaven, and there's tons of references in the parables and the gospels, in the letters and the epistles, and even in the book of Revelation, all about the rewards. If you read Jesus's letter to the seven churches, it's so reward-based. And so what the, the idea of that is, is as we start to walk out these small things, what is Jesus saying about the posture of our heart and how he's going to speak to us when we meet him in the judgment seat and how we'll be rewarded for that? And that's what I want to talk about today. And the reason that's important is because what we come to realize, it's rewards in Jesus's kingdom really come from the posture of our heart. And when you start to dissect the Sermon on the Mount and go through it, you know, 
paragraph, line by line, theme by theme, you realize it's very different than the way we reward on this side of eternity. And why that's meaningful is because you can have the smallest calling possible, but your reward is the same as the apostles. And that's so comforting and so encouraging because I think about Paul the Apostle and John the Apostle and these ones who were forerunners for the church that we, hear, we have today, and I can have the same reward in heaven. And that encourages my heart and that excites me and that makes the smallest act of faith meaningful. And so you can be doing the smallest acts of faith in your house, quarantined, locked down, and the eyes of heaven are on you. The eye of the Father is searching to and fro throughout the earth for one who is faithful to him. And he leans down and he's looking upon you and he's committed to your life. He's committed to those small acts of faith. And so the scripture that we, that we open up to is Matthew 25, 14. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. Then he who had received the five talents traded with them and made another five. Likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so that's the picture that Jesus is sharing. And this is later in Jesus's ministry. We know he's um, in many ways concluding his public ministry. And then he's going to go and really speak privately with the apostles for some time. And then he's going to go be with his father. And so we get the context that Jesus is really refining his latter messages to the people. And he wants to leave them with this idea that I'm going to be traveling away to a far country for a while, but I'm going to invest my character and my likeness in you. And we read in Genesis 1 that we're created in Jesus's image. So what we need to understand with, with that concept is, is Jesus... Where's the other mic? Right here. So what we need to understand is Jesus and the Father have invested part of their likeness in our nature. You carry certain faculties of heaven and of who God is inside of you. And each and every one of us is going to give account for that. And it's sobering because we, we want to be faithful with that. We want to go to the Father and hear, well done. That's a longing in our hearts. And when we start to recognize that Jesus actually took the time to fearfully and wonderfully create us and knit us together in our mother's womb and invest his nature inside of us, we have a high calling, beloved. We have a high calling. It doesn't matter if you have very few gifts that society finds meaningful or you have many. The reality is, is that really doesn't matter what society finds meaningful and charismatic and attractive and beautiful is really irrelevant. What's meaningful is what this book 
says about your character, says about your nature, says about who you are before the throne room, because at the end of the day, there's one opinion that is only going to stack up in those final days. There's one opinion. That's it. And so he's invested certain natures and certain ideas and thoughts and it, they're precious to the father. And as we, as we come into agreement and understanding of that, not only do we realize it's sobering, but we want to come into alignment with what he's saying about who we are. And so the, the idea is, is he's a rewarder. And the scripture says, for he who comes to God must believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so as we start to come into an understanding of that, we live differently. As Paul was saying, when I started to come into alignment with that and started to read the word, I started to think differently and live differently and ask for different understandings of who God was. And here's the important part is your calling. 99.9% of people have a really, really small calling. It might be to disciple your children. It might be to, you know, minister to the needy at the gas station. It might be to go to a thankless janitorial job every single day and mop the floors in faithfulness without complaining. Like that's a really important calling. It, it might be to be to the usher at a small church of like 20 people and just make sure that people get their communion every morning. Like that, that in the Lord's eyes is so important. And then to do that without complaining, to do that with joy and to do that with gladness is really, really valuable to the father. And though it seems so uninteresting to people on earth because we don't look the way that society tells us we should look. We don't talk in a certain way, you know, but the reality is, is like those small callings, you can have the same reward as Billy Graham, who ministered to millions, to Reinhard Bonnke, who you look at Reinhard Bonnke's life and he led millions, like literally millions of people to, to the Lord in Africa. But your small calling in ministry in the Lydia house or in your tiny little family where maybe you're ministering to your unsaved grandchildren or your grandparents has tremendous impact to the father's heart. And so that's what we want to come into agreement with. And as we come into agreement with that, then we want to ask the father to teach us what that looks like, to teach us how do I walk that out? As I say, yes to that simple calling you gave me, how do I say yes and then do it in faithfulness and long suffering without getting crabby, without, you know, undermining the Lord's like desire for you? Because at the end of the day, if you complain against that, you're really, you know, complaining to the father because he created you because he said, this is what I want to give you. And he did it with so much intentionality. Like as a father, I'm so in just in caption raptured by my child and I just want what's best for her. But if all of a sudden she grows up and she starts rebelling against like my passions and desires for her, that's going to break my heart. And so that's what it looks like is like, well, if I'm rebelling against that, sorry, there was that puff from the mic in there. Thanks. 
Um, if I rebel against that, I'm really, you know, breaking the Father's heart because he created me. And so then we get to the next three verses in Matthew 20, and you see the dialogue as, this, as the master returns. And he says, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. And, and let's pay attention to that, to that phrase, right? A few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So before we get to the, the last servant, I want to spend a little time on a few things because this is important, right? The one who had five and two had the same amount of investment in the Lord's eyes. You know, five and two is a very different number. It's more than double the investment. But to the Lord's, from the Lord's perspective, it's a few things. And beloved, you have a few things inside of you. There's only so much we can do with 70 years, 80, 90 years of our lives. But so it's a few things, but to the Lord, it's super valuable. It's super important. And the reward's the same. The reward is the exact same for the one with five and the one with two. So beloved, we look at, you know, and I'm going to call out Paul for a minute. Paul has been invested quite a few things from the perspective of heaven. He's a really good leader, amazing father. He can play the keys. He can sing. He can lead this joint on his own for like another 15 years if he wanted to. Now, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to hand it off. And that's why the Lord keeps blessing this. But whether you're Paul Anderson or the tiny little servant in the back who just makes sure that the food is hot every day, your reward's the same. And you're all connected to the body, right? The eye can't do anything apart from the foot. The foot can't do anything apart from the hand, the fingers, etc. We all need each other. And so the idea here is that Jesus will affirm believers before the Father and the angels based on what he's invested in us. And we see these few phrases from the Father, and these ideas should encapture and just excite and impassion our hearts, because this is what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so he wants to affirm us. He wants to sing our praises over the assembly. The scriptures talk all about that. He wants to trumpet your ministry, your calling before the angels of heaven. And he wants to silence heaven and say, time out. This is my good and faithful servant. And you have that opportunity right now, today, as you go home, as you go to your occupation, as you serve here at Lydia House, you have the opportunity to say, help me, Father. I want to be faithful before your eyes. I want you to pay attention to me, and I want to lock eyes with you. And I want you to affirm me before the Father and the angels. It says in Revelation 3, 5, he who overcomes, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's from Jesus. Like he's flat out said that and promised that to us as his people, 
that he who overcomes and endures to the end and says yes to me every day and wakes up in the morning with gladness in their heart and says, yes, speak to me, Father, here I am. Here, here I am, your servant, I'm listening. He'll confess your name before the Father. Good, as it says, good and faithful servant, it points to godly motivations and sincere intentions to God's will. And so here he starts talking about our heart posture. And I want to encourage us and challenge us. Yes, he wants us to say, I'm with you when it's hard. But he wants us to say it with gladness. He wants a cheerful giver. He wants someone who says, thank you for the ministry and the calling you've given me because it's precious and it's holy before you. He doesn't want us to grumble about what he's given us. He wants us to say thank you that this is how you created me. Help me to be more faithful in it. Help me to be more joyful in what you've called me to do and not envy another gift and not complain about maybe I don't have this articulation or communication gift or whatever it might be. He just wants you to say yes. And then what we're going to find out, he gives you more. Like to the one who's faithful in the little, he gives more. And so instead of complaining about what we have, say yes to it and he'll give you more. He'll entrust more with you as we carry that out. And then faithful, it starts to highlight the diligence and the follow through and the attentions to do good in the, faith of, in the face of pressure and obstacles and mundaneness and temptation and steadiness. Beloved, it's going to get boring. Beloved, it's going to get hard. It's going to get thankless. If you walk this word out, if you actually live the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, and a lifestyle of suffering, of purity, of mourning for those who mourn, you know, if you just walk out those five or six Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who are persecuted. It's like he says blessed. The word blessed actually means happy. If you actually dissect it, blessed and happy are the same. So happy are those who are persecuted for his name's sake. I don't understand it, but it's true. It has to be true. He said it. If you do that, it's going to get hard. It's going to get thankless. There's going to be pressures and obstacles. And a lot of the pressures are going to come with the, your flesh. It's just going to come with like, oh, this really hurts. It's hard. I don't want to serve this person because they're really, really difficult. I don't want to love this person today because they're super annoying. And every time I hang out with them, they bother me. But it's like, how many people are, must be annoying according to the, like the perspective of heaven? It's like, we're all super, super difficult, beloved. It's like, there's no such thing as a good Christian. They don't exist. Nobody in here is a good Christian. You're just, you're not. I'm not, you're not. We're all really difficult. So we can just say, take a deep breath and just inhale and be like, I'm really bad at Christianity. I'm just really bad at it. It's okay, but Jesus is a really good leader and he's going to help me. He's going to help me get there because, like, I'm not going to wake up and want to serve that really annoying person because, you know, my flesh just isn't comfortable with it. But Jesus is going to help us. He wants to help us. He's a really good leader. And then servant, I'll just focus on that a little bit, speaks of a willingness to sacrifice our comfort and honor and personal agenda. We just have to be willing to sacrifice our comforts and be uncomfortable. Like Christianity can be really, really uncomfortable. And we just have to be willing to do that. Like Jesus didn't live a comfortable life. He grew up in a poor, poor community. 
he was a bastard child. His father died when he was, you know, before his ministry. He was the eldest of his entire family. They didn't understand him. But he sacrificed all of his, even his earthly comforts, because that, that's his earth. But then you think about his heavenly comforts, like, whoa, I, I don't understand it. It's like you sat in perfect community, in perfect communion with your Father and the Holy Spirit, and then you took on the life of a bastard son. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for me because I wouldn't be here without you. And so that's what we're after. That is the lifestyle we are after and we want to pursue. And then Jesus is saying, as we do it, there's joy in it. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And the beauty of it is, is as we do that, his exchange rate is, out, is astounding. The exchange rate of heaven is absolutely astounding. We can't possibly comprehend it. I give you my anger and my sarcasm and my cynicism and my discomforts. You give me beauty for ashes. You give me joy for mourning. And not only do you that, when I come into your presence, you make me a ruler over many things. Beloved, as we start, we talked about government last week. As we start to realize that Jesus is a king and he has a kingdom and he's a governor, and he's going to rule and reign forever in an earthly kingdom. Heaven is coming to, on earth as it is in heaven. And then we start to realize like we will rule and reign with him forever. We will have assignments in the new Jerusalem. In the millennial kingdom, you will have an assignment. You will have a calling. And it will be based on how faithful you were on this side of eternity. That's reality. That's going to happen. You will go to the Father in the New Jerusalem and he will give you an assignment. And he will say, this is what I've called you to do forever. And you're going to love it because it's perfect and it's in his will. But when we start to realize that this is an internship for that reality, it makes giving a cup of cold water extremely meaningful. It means I'm going to be faithful as diligently as I can in the grace of God because he wants to make you a rule over many things. In Luke, it says, well done, you were faithful in the very little, have authority over 10 cities. I can't wait. I hope it's 100 cities because I, then I get to partner with Jesus' leadership and then he's going to impart to me his nature and his virtues and who he is as a father and a bridegroom, and a king, and a judge, and a leader, and a shepherd. Like all those, na all those names of heaven that Jesus has, like I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. Like he's going to impart that into us because we're equally yoked, we're one with him as he is with the Father, and then we're going to rule under that anointing. I can't wait till everything falls under the jurisdiction of Jesus' leadership. Like, I can't wait for the agriculture. Like, I look around the ranch and it's beautiful. You see all the plants. It's like, I can't wait till nature comes into agreement with the leadership of Jesus. Like, the smells, the, the fruits that come from the trees, that the healing of the nations that are the leaves of the trees that flow along the river of life. Like, I can't wait 
But then I get to partner with Jesus and say like, hey, if I plant it this way, it's going to bear more fruit. He's going to teach us those things. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm actually a gardener, Paul. I'm really good at it. I'm really good at gardening. And I know just how to water this in the time of day and the season and the, the age of the, the way all this works. I can help you with that. And then it's going to bear beautiful fruit. I just, I can't wait. But that's what we're walking into, beloved. That's what we're going to enter into as we understand who we are today, what he's called us to, and we're faithful in it. And we're faithful in it. So as we serve God and we act in accordance with how he designed us and who he created us to be in his image, we walk in a joy that is otherwise unforeseeable. So a person is never so joyful, wise, or rational as when they are serving God and serving God in who he created us to be. And I asked the Lord to help me put language to this concept because it's difficult for me to put language, but I'm going to do my best. So what I want us to walk away from is scripture says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And one of the understandings that I really appreciate with that is when we come into agreement with Jesus's leadership over our lives, it's way easier than shall we do it a different way. And so what I mean by that is I'll use a really simple example in my own life. I struggled with forgiving my father. We didn't have an easy, we didn't have an easy childhood, an easy relationship. And so when I got to be in my twenties, there was a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger, a lot of insecurity, a lot of just like me striving for his attention. And I remember I went to Paul and got counseling over this. And he just said, Paul, you need to forgive him and you need to let go of the bitterness and thank the father for giving him to you. And thank, thank God for giving you that man as your father. And it was just so uncomfortable, so adverse to my flesh. And I'll be honest, I, as I did it, I felt no like enjoyment. It wasn't like, oh, I'm really excited to go do this. No, it was with trembling and fear. Like I remember the day I walked into his office at work I couldn't even look him in the eye because it was so uncomfortable. I repented as for rebelling. I thanked him for his leadership and I committed to being like honoring to him for the rest of my life. And I just said, I'm going to honor you. I'm repenting for being a rebellious son and I love you and I thank you for being my father. And it was like that simple. But what happened, and this is what I mean by like, as we walk that out, and coming to agreement with his word, his yoke, my heart unlocked. Like I felt in my heart and in my spirit, just like, it, I, like that's the best I can explain. It was just this relief in my heart and this peace of God, because all of a sudden I came into agreement with Jesus's leadership over my life. And I came into agreement with who he was as a leader. And that's what I mean by like his yoke is so much easier than bitterness. His yoke is so much easier than my unforgiveness in saying like, I'm going to try to somehow heal this relationship on my own. That's like one example of, of any circumstances you might, we might be going through is when we come into agreement with the Lord's ways and we say your leadership is better for my life than anything I can orchestrate, doctor up, anything I can fathom. 
it's easier. His yoke is much easier to bear. And we're just saying yes to who he is. All we're doing is we're strapping our chain to his chain and we're saying, walk with me. I mean, that's what a yoke was, right? You probably know that. They'd put a yoke around an oxen and that yoke would callous the shoulder of the ox because it was uncomfortable for him. But then over time, those calluses would heal and it would be comfortable and it would guide them through the fields and how they would plant the soil, how they would, you know, stir up the soil and make it ready for harvest. That's all we're doing. We're yoking our lives to Jesus so that as we walk, we can bear fruit. A tree is known by the fruit it bears. I want my life to bear fruit. To do that, I need to be yoked to Jesus as leadership. And beloved, I can't tell you the chain effect that that decision had on my family. Like that was 10, 12 years ago. Since then, so much of my family has been saved. My relationship with my father has been completely transformed. I mean, amen. Like, but it, it's just like all of a sudden, Jesus started to come into the picture and his ways took effect. And so the message of this parable is that our smallest efforts will not be forgotten by God who knows the number of hairs on our head when we give a cup of cold water, when we say yes in the little things, in the mundane. And so with that, I just want to talk about, and I'll conclude with this final perspective here, is the parable of the unfaithful servant, or the, the component of the unfaithful servant in suffering loss and how Jesus describes that. So in the last few verses, we see that Jesus goes to the one with one talent and he says, I knew, um, he says, then he who had received the one talent said to the Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground and look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming and then I would have at least received back my own interest. And so the takeaway here is that one of the prime, and, and this probably is a bold comment, but I, I found it to be true. I'd say one of the greatest deterrents to us walking out our calling is having a really, having the wrong perspective of who God is. And so it, you see this self-fulfilling prophecy unfold in these three verses, and it's really important that we capture this because here the servant had the wrong perspective of who Jesus was as a leader. The reality is, is Jesus is not a hard man. He's the kindest man I've ever met, known, or you'll ever encounter in your entire life. But if we view God as a hard man, we live out the wrong, the wrong realities in our life and then that perspective is fulfilled. And so we live out a life where we're afraid, where we hide our gifts, where we don't walk out our calling in confidence, where we're ashamed, where we're confused. And so, and then what we see is this, this lie is fulfilled in our lives because the accuser just continues to sow seeds of deception. And he says, well, God is not like that. And it's what's been going on since the garden. Did God really say that? Is that really what God means for your life? And so the idea is we need to come into agreement with what scripture says about who Jesus is as a leader. And we need to get an understanding of who God is and know him. And that's why Jesus says in John 17, three, 
and this scripture has so like just propelled me throughout my faith, is this is eternal life, that we would know God and know him truly. We'll never know God fully because he's, un, he's like uncomprehensible. Like he's all-knowing, he's all-sovereign, you know, he's, he's all in all, right? But we can know him truly. We can know him truly in the sense of like, you're kind, you're merciful. It's what he declared to the, to the Israelites in Exodus. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love from generation to generation. Like, that's who he is. That's what he said about himself. But when we don't come into agreement with that, we view him to be a hard man, reaping where he's not sown, and we accuse him. And beloved, I'll be honest, I don't want to complain about Jesus's leadership I don't want to believe him to be unfair and unreasonable in requiring too much from me while offering too little help. And I don't want to misunderstand him. And I don't want to go to his throne room and accuse him. Like, that's a really bad place to be. If I get into his presence and he gives me his, you know, dialogue over my life, and then I return an accusation or a correction to Jesus because I misunderstood him, that's a bad place to be. I don't want to be next to you when you do that. I'm going to be over here. <laughs> and I'll just, you know, you know, but seriously, it's like if we complain about his leadership and accuse him in requiring more for us than he invests in us, because that's what the servant was doing. He's saying, well, you didn't invest in me enough and you asked me for too much. Like you didn't give me all the resources I needed to fulfill my calling. Like that's what he's saying. Like, well, you only gave me one talent. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just buried it because it wasn't enough to actually do what you called me to do. Like, well, that, that's unfortunate. That, that's not reality. But what Jesus is saying is, no, I've invested in you perfectly according to my leadership, but you need to spend time with me and dialogue with me and get to know my heart for it to take, to take root. And that's the reality of the kingdom. Like, he gives you a glimpse of what we're going to be walking out in the days to come. And then he slowly peels back the pages and he says, now there's more, there's more, but we have to search it out. It's the glory of a king to hide, or it's the glory of a God to hide, but a matter of a king to search it out. Beloved, you're a king and a priest with your God forever. You're going to reign that way, but we have to search him out. We have to get to know him. And then he goes on to say, and, and this is that spiritual principle I was talking about. Everyone who has more will be given. But from him who does not have, even that will be taken away. And that's how Jesus concludes this parable. He says to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that he has will be taken away. And all Jesus is saying here is that if you're really faithful in those little things that he invests in you, he's going to give you more because he can trust you. He can trust you. He can trust that you'll steward it with humility, with grace, with mercy, with kindness. And that's what the Father did to Jesus. He invested his entire authority to Jesus because he knew Jesus could handle the calling. He knew Jesus wasn't going to abuse the power. And so when you're faithful in the little, giving a cup of cold water to a thirsty friend. You know, I was talking with Adriana today and she was feeding Lenny and I was encouraging her in that. And I was just saying, thank you for discipling our baby. Thank you for her raising her up and praying with her every night. And, you know, encouraging her and all that. And, you know, and she kind of facetiously said, well, I don't know that it counts for moms. And I was like, it counts double for moms. 
it counts like fivefold for moms because nobody else sees it. And one of my favorite scriptures is Jesus says in Matthew 6, like, do it in secret. I love that about the Father. He actually invites you to do it when nobody can see it because I see in secret and reward in secret. When we go around, like even the humble brags, like I call this a humble brag, like you can be in conversation with someone and like have like a small little like seed of like, ah, well, yeah, no, I did this the other day and yeah, I I had this great, I had this thing at work and you can be in, I encourage you not to talk about it. Actually do it in secret unless they ask you, then we'll then answer their question or whatever. But even those humble brags, like the Lord isn't going to like condemn you for that. But the excitement of doing it in secret and knowing that he'll reward you in secret is so fun. It's fun when Jesus says like, oh, I saw when you did that and I paid attention and I noticed it and I'm going to reward you in secret and I'm going to reward you when you get to heaven because I saw what you did. That's the beauty of it is like those wonderful moments of doing things that only the Lord can see. He loves it. And he's humble. And I can't imagine how many things Jesus did growing up when no one in public could see it. And he maybe just like washed his mom's feet or, you know, just like cooked dinner for his brothers, even though they were complaining about him. Like Jesus probably did that. As the oldest son, he probably prepared a meal for his crabby brothers who misunderstood him. It's, it's remarkable to me. Like I just love that about who he is. So beloved, be, we, it's important to be faithful, and I want to conclude here, and this is how do we apply this in this season, right? Because there's so much noise going on, and, and I'm going to dissect, I'm going to tangent us a little bit to the applicability in today's, you know, busyness and in the political unrest and everything we're seeing going on. And I want to challenge us in this because I think it's important that we take this word and apply it to what we're feeling today in the area of offense. And so right now what I'm talking about, it is so easy to be offended with what we're seeing in our political environment, maybe what we don't think we're seeing in our political environment, what we're seeing in our brothers and sisters and our neighbors, maybe in our families. And beloved, these, I, this posture of our heart is so important right now because what Jesus talks about is the kingdom of heaven linchpins on two realities. One, loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one. Two, which is likened unto the first, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And beloved, I'll be honest, right now that's really hard. That's really uncomfortable to go and be with people who we may have nothing in common with, who may be incredibly offensive to who we are. But Jesus is inviting us to show love to those, is inviting us to submit to them as a brother and a sister and to love them as we love ourselves. And beloved, that's what's going to win our brothers over in the end. I can guarantee, I'll, I'll be bold here, I can be very confident that you're not going to win a political debate. It's just not going to happen. I'm done with debating politically. It's a waste of time, a gigantic waste of time. I encourage you not to do it. Just try it. 
try to fast from political debates. But here's what's going to happen. Your heart's going to get all inside and you're going to get in a conversation and be like, I need to restrain my flesh. Jesus didn't debate with the Pharisees. He didn't spend a lot of time doing that. Their political doctrine, their theological doctrine was wrong. It was just, it was messed up. There were times where he corrected them, but he didn't debate with them. There were times where he called them brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs and just said, you know, you reap where you didn't sow, et cetera, et cetera. But he didn't spend a lot of time debating with them. Paul the Apostle didn't do it either. He debated once in Greek. He got slaughtered. He went to the Corinth and he said, I decided on nothing in you but Christ crucified. Like, what if we encountered our brothers and saw nothing in them but Christ crucified? We saw in them the destiny that God put in them and said, Jesus committed himself to your life and died for your greatness. And what if we served them through that perspective and said, I don't care what you believe or disbelieve about the political spectrum, about this propaganda moment, whatever it may be. I really don't care. I see the vision and the likeness of God in your flesh, and I want to pull it out in greatness by serving you in love. Like, what if we lived our lives like that? What if we were faithful in those things? What would that do for revival? Like, I'm so interested in seeing that because when I see like how that worked in my own family, when I just served and loved my dad and didn't try to spend time correcting him, it pulled out this tenderness in his heart where he just wanted to continue to be in relationship with me. Like, beloved, that's what I'm after. And the scripture that I've been confronted with in these last few months is Philippians 1. And this is where we'll end. Because this is what I want us to start to wrestle with. Philippians 1.9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. And that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. The New King James says to be without offense until the day of Christ. Beloved, Paul is calling us to live a life that is without offense. And the two ways we're offended is one, by the Lord's leadership, and two, by man. I want to posture my heart before the Lord so that I can, when I meet him, say I lived a life that wasn't offended. I'm not offended by your leadership, and I'm not offended by my brothers and sisters and how they treat me or don't treat me. Beloved, that's what God has called us to do. And that's the greatness he's put in our hearts. We were made for that. We were made to live like that, to live a life where I can go before my brothers and he can say, do, feel whatever he wants about me, but I'm so confident in who I am before Christ and his leadership that it really doesn't wave me to and fro, that I'm moved by heaven's opinion about who I am, and that's it. And then before the Lord, I continue to posture my heart to be moldable by him, so that I'm not too stubborn to ask for his correction. Like that's what he's inviting us to do, to say yes to your leadership. And I may need help here, God, but you're really good. And I'm a really bad Christian. We're all really bad at it, but you can help me. And then if my brother says something or offends me, or I'm at a Thanksgiving, you know, Labor Day party, which is coming up, and my cousin who doesn't believe the same political views about me says something that I disagree with, 
I don't engage in a debate with them. I just love them and go and fill their cup with iced tea and bless them and thank them. Like that's a really, really good response to somebody you don't agree with. Can I get you anything else to drink? And walk away and bring it back to him and say, bless you, I love you. Beloved, that's what he's inviting us to do. And it's beautiful. And in the Lord's eyes, he's going to reward us for that. And I want it. I want that because that's what he did for us. He came and served. And it's better to serve than to be served. So let's pray. Um, It's a tenderizing word. So I just invite you to let it, just let it, let yourself feel it. Just let yourself feel that it may be uncomfortable, but it's what Jesus wants. It's what we're after. We just want to look like him. So I'm going to pray, and then let's, um, if you're comfortable, break up into small groups and just pray with one another. Ask the Lord how, it's going to be something small. He's not going to ask you, you know, to go and change your entire lifestyle in a moment. But he may be highlighting one or two opportunities to respond to this. And that's all we want. Just help us, Lord. Help us walk this out. Help us be faithful in the little because you're going to reward it in your kind and your leadership is perfect. So Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're a really, really good shepherd and you leave the 99 to find the one. And so we ask you as your sheep here this morning that you would lead us with your rod and your staff. And I just pray Psalm 23 over this group. That's what I just want to bless this community with, Father, that you are a good shepherd and we shall not want. And you lead us beside still waters and you make us lie down in green pastures. In your rod, in your staff, they comfort us and they guide us. And surely goodness and mercy follow us all of the days of our lives. So, Father, I ask you that that would be true in our own hearts and that your comfort and your righteousness and your peace and your leadership and who you are as a shepherd would bring us peace and it would cause us to lie down and it would lead us beside still waters when it feels like there's a raging storm around us. We ask you for that, Father. Father, I thank you for this people. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for this community. I thank you for Paul and Karen who are so faithful over the years and give us more. We ask you that as we're faithful in the little here, that you would give us more. Give us a greater opportunity and a greater investment in a revelation of who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say thank you to Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. It was a joy. It's always a joy to have you share, whether it's a little bit or a lot like today. So we'll look for that again. We have uh, Leanne is bringing the word of our already seen some of the, in anticipation, what, what's uh, coming next week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Some cooperation here. Okay, God's good at that. So take a moment now after I uh, conclude. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer. I already gave you the benediction earlier, so I'm not going to do that again. We sang it and we spoke it. 
So I'm just going to invite you to get in a little group. It can be for two minutes or it can be 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. So uh, let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. You can be, stay seated if you want. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.